Astronauts Podcast. My name is Heather. Oh, I am your host. I I am really excited for today's episode. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I mentioned the other day on Instagram that um, I was a little feisty. Uh, I was getting a little feisty over some stuff I was seeing on Facebook after the um, student loan forgiveness um, was announced and people were getting all bananas on on Facebook and and putting down people and and, and so I posted a big thing and we'll talk about that I mean I'll, yeah I should probably pull that up and share it I guess um, but I decided um, that I would put together a podcast to talk about it so um i felt that this would be a lot of fun as well if i brought along a friend uh and that friend is uh is this uh, bottle of red wine (laughs) so it should get more interesting as the uh podcast goes on i suppose we'll open that up in just a second we'll have a little asmr moment with a little bottle pop there um but if you're new here welcome uh, Connect the Dots is a podcast that uh, covers a lot of different subjects. Um, every month we do a uh, Deep Thoughts episode, which is usually the first Thursday of the month, which, oh, it's the first Thursday of the month. How convenient. I honestly didn't realize that this would come out on the first Thursday of the month. It is currently the evening of August 31st. This will post on Thursday, September 1st. Ta-da! Sometimes things work out, and I don't even plan it. Um, okay, so we have episodes called Deep Thoughts, where I talk about things that uh, make me ask questions. I want to dig deeper into uh, people, subjects, um, events, those kind of things. Um, and then the second week of the month, we focus on neurodiversity. So I pick a neuro a topic that's a, that's about something uh, in that realm and we talk about it and then the third week of the month I give you an interview um, with someone Um, and then the last week of the month is typically or the fourth week of the month is uh, navigating the workplace I did not put that episode out for August sorry (laughs) I am uh, I'm doing my best and uh, I hope you appreciate it so but typically the fourth week of the month we do have uh, a navigating the workplace episode that talks about something to do with um, workplace. So interviewing, resumes, those are things that are coming up um, in that genre of topics. Uh, and then if there is a, a fifth Thursday to the month, that's what I call a fun episode. Uh, and that has no rhyme or reason. And I don't know. It'll be It'll be what it'll be. Uh, I think the last time we had a fifth Thursday, there was a lot of heavy stuff going on in the world. So I actually didn't put one out because it didn't feel right. And so that's also a possibility <laughs> that a fifth Thursday doesn't come out because just not feeling it. Um, so yeah, there we go. That's what this podcast is all about. Uh, we're just I want to help connect the dots between lots of various things um, as we put together this uh, thing we call life. And... Uh, I feel like I have some other things to cover. I, I don't, I mean, I know we're a couple minutes in at this point, but, um, I just, I feel like I, I feel like I haven't seen you in like, you know, a couple weeks. So let me give you a quick update. If you've been around for a while, you know that, um, I have a sponsor, uh, and that is Anchor. Uh, I will update the, the ad, I promise. 
I'll update it so it doesn't sound the same again. I just have to make time to do it. Uh, but we, but how I do my ad revenue from, uh, Anchor, um, I don't make a ton of money from it, but, uh, it is my, uh, it's my coffee with you fund. So it, once I get to $10, then I will take that money out. I will go buy a cup of coffee and I try to do a live. I tried to do that on, on, on Memorial Day and, it did not go well. It was very hot outside. It was too loud to sit inside and do a live. So I did a live um, just in the park after I had coffee. So we're getting close to $10, though. I'm sitting at $8.86 right now uh, in my balance. So we get to $10. We will attempt another live uh, coffee talk. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So every listen um, that you give... Um, it helps. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, it really helps me out. Uh, it helps fund that coffee habit that I have. Um, then, uh, oh, the other thing. Uh, so we do still have the uh, 50-50 charity uh, um, donation uh, happening, uh, which is on buymeacoffee.com. That link is down in the notes, description, whatever you're watching or listening on. Uh, if you would like to buy me a coffee uh, over there on buymeacoffee.com, that money, uh, what I am doing is I am uh, I have a goal of $500. Uh, when I hit that $500, uh, I am going to purchase um, a new microphone that is less than $250. Anything above, um, if my microphone costs $100, then everything above goes to charity. So at least $250 will go to charity. Uh, so that's why it's a 50-50 charity thing. Uh, let's see. Is there any other news and announcements? I don't think so. Um, we are closing in on 5,000 downloads or plays or whatever this is uh, in the podcasting land. I should probably learn the lingo at this point. Um, we're closing in on 5,000 would love to get there in the month of September. So if you think that somebody else would enjoy the podcast, please share it on your social media. Please tag me. I would love to celebrate it. Uh, and thank you uh, for sharing it with people um, as well. So please share the podcast. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, if you could like and subscribe and ring that bell, uh, make sure you hit all notifications so that you get all the alerts for when I put out new videos. Um, I think that's it. I'm going to, I got to close out this distraction called email. Sorry. Okay. Um, I feel like we're ready. I feel like we're ready for, yeah. (laughs) It says that is sharing, but I'm not sharing. Okay. Sorry. Distractions. I'm still learning how to use this. I use right now. I'm currently uh, still trying out Riverside as far as like a share record kind of thing here. So uh, I hope that it works well. I get a little nervous about it. Um, okay. So today we are going to, um, this episode is called Wine With Me. Isn't that cute? Isn't that punny? Um, oh, hold on. Hold on. Oh, that's the wrong, wrong mouse. Um, if, uh, you know, let me, let me back this up for a second. Hold on. Cause I got something fun. Um, today's episode is called wine with me. Hey, <laughs> but uh, I got puns and I got jokes and I hadn't even had a, I hadn't even had a drop of wine yet. 
this should be very fun. Um, but I picked up my glass today. It's a little, sorry, it's a little spotty. Uh, it's my Alabama Crimson Tide glass uh, in honor of the fact that... Um, uh-oh. Oh, goodness. <laughs> sorry, I just disconnected my camera <laughs> on accident. Um, my bad. Uh, in honor of football season starting this weekend. A little Crimson Tide glass. Uh, this wine is uh, Casa Moroni. It is, you know, from Italy. Uh, it is a, a Passamento um, wine. It's it's nice. It's only $13. Uh, but it is a wine made with organic grapes. There we go. Imagine that. Um, but it's a very good, it's a very good wine. It's a red wine. I picked it up at, uh, obviously the local wine store, but <laughs> the first time I had it, uh, Lori and I had gotten together to watch Hamilton and we had, uh, charcuterie boards and it was quite tasty. So I figured I would pick it up again and it would be good. Let me move this over here towards the microphone so you can get a little ASMR here. Are we ready? Beautiful. Uh, mm, smell the cork. It smells so good. Um, if uh, if you're a Criminal Fi- Minds fan like me, I'm currently re-watching Criminal Minds uh, from the beginning. I think I'm on somewhere around season three or four at this point. I don't know. It just auto-plays. Uh, but there is an episode where the young man, the unsub kind of kidnaps his girlfriend and they're in this they're living in this house he has you know uh blown up her house and and there are people who have perished in this and but there's this scene in the in the episode where um he opens this bottle of wine for them and he's like smell the cork uh to her and she's like smells like grapes (laughs) i always think about that that scene (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> whenever I get a cor- whenever I open a cork. All right, let's uh let's uh pour a little wine here. You know, if the podcasting thing doesn't work out, maybe I can become an ASMR star or something. I don't know. We'll see. Um all right, so cheers to you. Oh, that is good. That is good. All right, so welcome officially to Wine With Me. Uh, We are talking student loan forgiveness today. So let me, um, let me see where I want to start. Um, All right. Sorry, I was going to share and then I realized I'm not on the right thing. Okay. So let's start with... What is a student loan? I feel like that is the best place to start. Let's not start with the forgiveness thing. Let's not start with what Biden has done. Let's start with where this starts. Like, what is a student loan? When you are going to college, there is the, uh, if you are not um, able to pay for your college, if you are, Um, or you need assistance in paying for college, you are able to take out what is called a student loan. 
Isn't it fun? 18, taking out loans. Oh, it's grand. Um, when this happens, so when you're 18 and you're, you have to fill out a form, it's called the FAFSA. Um, and you fill out this form and you put in your information. If you live with your parents, you also put your parents' information on there. Um, which means their income, because they're claiming you still on their taxes um, as their dependent, um, their income um, influences what you're eligible for. I'm going to bring out calculators in a minute, so just hang tight with me. Um, so you fill this out. You put their info if you're living with your parents. You put their information in. Um they're still claiming you again as a dependent and you put your information in, it spits out a number and it says, okay, your estimated family contribution is X amount. And then you compare that to what your school will cost. And then it will say, all right, here is how much you will need. Now, if your family cannot provide this estimated contribution, uh, you are able to take out additional loans. Um, and we're going to talk about the different types of loans here in just a moment. Um, and so you, you get to take out a couple different types of loans and you can pay for the school. Okay. So there's the basics. Let's talk about what kind of, of loans there are, right? So let me, now I will share my screen because I have something up that is helpful. All right, we're going to share this one. Is that looking? All right, looking pretty good here. Okay, here we go. So what is a federal student loan? It is a, a loan made through the, through the loan program administrated by the federal government. Easy peasy. Uh, you can also get a private student loan, which is made by a, a non-federal loan that's made by a private lender, maybe a bank or credit union. Um, and those terms are set by the lender, not the government. And if you're not sure whether you're being offered a federal or a private loan, you want to check with that financial aid office at your school. Now, um, this is obviously, this is a, this is from studentaid.gov. I'll have all of these links in the show notes for you. Um, it talks about on this one, right? How much should you borrow? Um, you can, and it says you can determine whether you need a loan and how much you need to borrow by adding up the total cost of your education, which would be tuition, fees, room and board, etc., and subtract the amount of scholarships, grants, or in savings that you have to contribute to those costs. You should bo only borrow what you need and consider the earning potential in your chosen profession to determine how easily you'll be able to repay the debt. Um, and then they have a, a link to go find um, a salary estimates for different occupations. Um, and it says your student loan payments should only be a small percentage of your salary after you graduate. Okay, sound advice. This is sound advice. You should never borrow more than you need. This is true. Student loans are not there to buy you Gucci. They're not there to buy you fancy dinners. Student loans are there to pay for your tuition, your fees. If you have to pay for room and board, if you, uh, you know, an, a, I know usually uh, a lot of people like their first semester will maybe they get a little extra so that they can buy a new computer if they didn't, you know, if they weren't gifted one for graduation or they don't have a good computer, right? There, there's certain like technology things that you can buy, but, but that money, people aren't, 
should not be, and, and I don't know anybody that did, take out student loans to go fund, like, you know, just nonsense. They took the money out to pay for school. And when you get a student loan, you don't get that money right in your pocket. It goes to the school. And the school will give you what's left over, if there's anything left over. Uh, the way that when I went to college, now I went to college back in 2002 up through um, my undergrad was 2002 through 2006. Uh, I was in graduate school in, in a couple different schools um, from 2006 to 2013. So that is where my experience lies. Um, so obviously been out of this kind of financial aid you know, peace, um, in the past, you know, nine years. However, it still operates pretty much the same. Uh, but when I went to school, we would get the, the student loan payment or the student loans that I took out would go to the school and it would not pay for books. It would just pay for my tuition. So I would get a check. Uh, and then that check would, um, allow me to buy my books. And I feel like maybe that happened once, like maybe I can't, you know, it doesn't matter. That's basically how it happens. You get whatever's left over. They're not just handing you a check for however much you're you're getting, right? This is not how it works. So if you've never been to college, if you've never had to go through this, and you think student loans are just simply, hey, we're handing out student loans today. Come get them. That's not how it works. The loan goes to your school. The school takes out what they need. And you get anything that could maybe be left over. In lots of cases, there's not much. <laughs> if you if you're taking if you're not if you're taking out more than you need, you'll get some back, right? But you should only borrow what you need. Okay, let's let's continue. Um, let's talk about what kinds of federal student loans there are. So there are subsidized subsidized loans. So direct subsidized loans. This is for undergraduate students with financial need. Um, and right now, the loans um, that are being distributed um, are set at an interest rate of 4.99. So usually with subsidized loans, you're not charged interest during certain periods, which would be when you are in school at least half time. Please be aware, some schools do not let you go half time. Make sure you are doing your research. Um, you can get up to $5,500, depending on your grade level and dependency status, um, annually. So, again, it says subject to change because they can change it. It's the federal government. They can do what they want. <laughs> they control it. Um, then you have a direct unsubsidized, unsubsidized loan. Now, this is for undergraduate, graduate, or professional degree students. Financial aid or financial need is not required. So, let's say that your parents make good a good bit of money um, and you're not eligible for a subsidized loan because they're still claiming you on their taxes, but you're not, but they make too much money. So, you aren't eligible for subsidized loans. Um, then you would be offered an unsubsidized loan. Um, right now, loan interest rates for these are 4.99% for undergrad and 6.54% for graduate and post degree and professional degree students. With an unsubsidized loan, interest starts 
from the day it's issued. They will send you a bill every month or quarter, I can't remember what it is, for said interest. You can pay that interest. Or you don't. You don't have to pay it. Um, I, uh, I will say, so what happens when you don't pay the interest during the, while you're in school, like you're getting those bills, if you don't pay the interest that is building, it will capitalize at the end. We'll talk about capitalization here in just a minute. Um, that's where, that's what gets you, um, is that capitalization. Uh, that's what sucks. So with an unsubsidized loan, you can get up to $20,000, um, less any subsidized amounts that you receive. So if you get the 5,000 or the 5,500 from a subsidized loan, you, then you can only get 15 or 14 math is hard. 15,000, <laughs> uh, 15,000 in unsubsidized. Okay. Hopefully this is making sense so far. Um, and then there is another loan called a direct plus loan. Uh, and this is for parents who are borrowing money to pay for their child or their dependent, um, their undergraduate education, or uh, maybe for graduate or professional degree students. Again, financial need is not required for this. Um, and with these loans, uh, right now, the current um, interest rate that they're projecting or, or saying that it will have is 754 um, and you must not have an adverse credit history. So like, this is like a loan, like it's based on your credit. Um, so that's what like the basics are. I did not, my parents did not take out a plus loan. I have not taken out a plus loan. I do not know a lot about the plus loan situation. So, okay. Um, so that is the basics. Now I mentioned we would talk about, talk a little bit about capitalization of, of loans. So, so here's what happens. You go to school and I'm going to stop sharing real quick. All right. So you go to school, you take out the loans, you go to school, you finish, you don't finish, whatever the case may be. If you've had unsubsidized loans, then the interest capitalizes. So what that means is it increases your interest cost. So I'm going to just read you, this is from, this is from NerdWallet. Um, so it says, in most cases, you'll pay off the accrued interest each month, <laughs> unless you don't. <laughs> um, but there are a few scenarios in which unpaid interest builds up and is capitalized or added to your principal loan balance. Capitalization causes you to pay interest on top of interest, increasing the total cost of the loan. For federal student loans, capitalization of unpaid interest occurs when the grace period ends on an unsubsidized loan, after a period of forbearance, after a period of deferment for unsubsidized loans. Um, if you leave a revised pay-as-you-earn or pay-as-you-earn or income-based repayment plan, if you don't rectify your income annually for any of those plans, and then if you no longer qualify to make payments based on your income under the pay-as-you-earn or income-based repayment, and then um, annually 
Um, it happens if you are on an income contingent repayment plan. <laughs> so, uh, I will tell you what happened for me. I did not, I, I maybe paid a couple payments because, so let me give you my story. Let me, let me pull this up and, and, and give you, this is what I shared. Um, I shared this on Facebook. Let me pull it up and we'll, we'll read it there. Um, minding all of my private information here. Let me just, <laughs> um, can I view this post? Like, view this post? Nope. Ah, here we go. Okay. Perfect. Let me go back to share my screen because this will help. I mean, I think that this gives you a good, like, explanation. Oh, hi, kitty. <laughs> uh, my husband sends me cat videos, by the way, <laughs> all the time. Um, that's really funny. <laughs> Thanks, son. Okay, so... Okay, so this is the post that I put up um, on the 25th of August. So, um, so I got the, the inspiration to post this based on what somebody else posted. So I, I won't take credit for this idea for for posting it. Right? I just I saw somebody post like their how their loans, you know, the interest rates and how they've ended up owing more than they originally owe, like took out, like all of how it works. And I was like, you know what? Like, that's genius. I'm going to, I want to tell my story about it. I want to share this as well because I saw so much negativity on Facebook regarding just how like, just mean. And we're going to talk mean things at the end when I've had like more wine and stuff. So we'll talk about that. But I, I, I wrote this because I was mad. Um, I believe every I'm 100% behind everything but it, it this came from a place of frustration I will not lie to you about that um so I wrote um all right so all right the point of this is to share that individuals who have taken out loans and those who will in the future aren't doing it just to take out loans um, if my memory serves me well, all of my friends had jobs while we were in college. I worked full-time in school. Uh, student loans are sold as a way to attend college and get a degree in the hope that, they, that it will help you find employment that pays a higher wage. Those of us who took out loans understood and agreed to pay back the money. The problem is the interest and the compound interest, that capitalization, that happens over the life of those loans. So before you think or say, you should have to understand that before you take them out. Yes, you get basic education on what this means when you apply for a student loan. You have to go through a basic education course on what interest is and how it works and the capitalization. Like You get that information, but everyone's circumstance is different. So what it really, so what it looks like in reality compared to the basic education that you get is, as I put it in this post here, comparing apples to unicorns because it really is. 
it, it, it truly is. It's two completely different things. It's, we're going to tell you that you're going to take out X number of money, you know, X amount of money, and it's going to get this amount of interest. And at the end, if you don't pay that interest, it capitalizes, and then you get interest on, like, it's said in such simple terms. It's not said in a way of when you think about, like, life, how life happens, and how you may pick a field that was going to give good money, and then it doesn't. Um, or you end up having a personal emergency and you're not able, like a family emergency, like something happens and you're not able to finish that degree. Um, there are so many circumstances that can happen that really make like the basic education that you get, like go out the window. Um, let me continue reading. So the system is nowhere near perfect and reforms need to be made everywhere. But claiming that individuals who took out the loans don't want to pay them back is bullshit. 100%, I will stand by that statement all day long. There are reforms that need to be made everywhere. In the the way that they manage the student loans uh, on the federal government side, the amount of money that colleges are charging to go to college, uh, the uh, rent, hello, um, you know, rent payments, uh, how much cars are like, it's absurd. I know some of that isn't directly related, but you know, those are the things that impact how much money you have. If you have to pay a higher rent, if you have to pay for higher things. So when it comes to college, there's lots of things that need to change. So, but don't ever, I, I just, please, please, please never tell somebody that took out a student loan that they took them out and now they just don't want to pay them back. That is just utter, utter bullshit. People that take out student loans are taking those loans out so that they can go to college so that they can better themselves. And the loan is seen as a way. So, okay, I'm going to take out this money. I'm going to use it to fund my education so that I can get a good paying job. And then I will pay those loans back and I'll be able to provide a better life for my family. That is why people take out student loans. So let me tell you my story. So I started in college in the fall of 2002. I had to take out loans all four years of my undergrad. Minus one year that I got a $1,000 scholarship. So the, um, this is not in the, in the, uh, <laughs> this is not in the thing, but, um, uh, I, I will let you know. So I graduated in May of 20 of 2002. Uh, I got married to uh, my first husband in July of 2003. So I went from living at home with my parents, being a dependent on their taxes, um, and then being married, um, and, you know, having a house and a husband and, you know, I worked a full-time job. I made $6 and 50 cents an hour plus commission. Hold on. Let me do some math here. I understand it's, it's back in, it's 20 years ago. I get it, but still let's just do some math. So six fifty an hour, 40 hours a week, 52 weeks a year. 
have to do this math again because that seems absurd. Hold on. <laughs> Times 52. So before commission and taxes, I made a, uh, my gross pay was $13,520 a year in 2003 when I was selling cell phones. Now, with commission, I think I remember, I, I, I believe when I took the job, with commission, my, my estimated salary was about $27,000. $27,000. I feel like that's about right. Um, so, yeah. So, there we go. Um, that is what I was making um, in, in that time frame. When I graduated from college in 2006, um, I did, they did offer me a role, um, to be the, I can't remember what my title was. I did like HR training stuff, um, and, and did some general manager, area manager kind of stuff as well. But I believe my salary at that point, I believe they, they took it to, it was just a straight like 27,000. I don't think I was making 30. Um, I did have a company car that I could drive. I didn't, I could drive it to work, right? I couldn't drive it around because it was plastered with, <laughs> plastered with the name of the company on it. Uh, I didn't really want to drive it everywhere, but, um, but like I, I had a car, like they paid for my gas, like that kind of stuff when I was traveling for work. But still, like my income was, uh, less than 30 grand right out of college college degree um okay so uh graduated in 2006 uh, i started grad school um immediately after finishing my undergrad um i took out more student loans um i started working so in in this time so in 2007 uh, i took a different job where i um was a uh did staffing for doctors there was, it was my, my base salary was 27 plus commission uh, or, or bonus or I can't remember what they called it, but, um, but I made money when my doctors went to work basically. Um, so, so I did, so I did that for a year and then in, um, 2008, uh, I started working for Verizon as a sales representative. Uh, so when I went there, I believe my base was 27, um, and my, but my potential with commission was like 45. So I was like, oh, moving up in the world. Yay. 45,000. Perfect. Great. Sounds beautiful. Wonderful. Uh, and that was potential, right? If I didn't hit my numbers, I didn't make the money. If I hit over my numbers, I made more money. You know, at, on a commission, uh, things get a little like, you know, whoo, here and there. Um, so in 2008, right, I went to Verizon at Verizon, they did offer tuition assistance. Um, tuition assistance is somewhere like $52.50 a year. Um, I did not take advantage of that when I first started at Verizon. Um, because right after I started, about six months in, I actually got a divorce. Um, and I, I, I decided that I didn't want to go to grad school for what I was going for. I applied to art school, got into art school. Um, and I did that for about a year. 
Um, and so obviously art school isn't covered by a tuition assistance program because tuition assistance programs are going to pay you for something that's relevant to your job. I understand like, you know, photography wasn't relevant <laughs> to my role as a salesperson. I couldn't sell that one to them. Uh, I wasn't that good at sales. <laughs> so I, so I went to art school. So there's more loans, right? Uh, so, so more loans for that. Um, and then in 2009, I started, I, I left art school, wised up, uh, and started a business program and then started to utilize tuition assistance, um, as much as I could. I still had to take out a couple loans, um, because the classes were expensive, um, cause I was doing online school and, you know, but, but I didn't take out as many. I finally went I finally graduated in uh, 2013 and I entered into repayment. So from the time of 2002 until 2013, I had not paid a single student loan payment. I'm not saying that this was smart about not paying interest. I'm not saying that this was wise. <laughs> I'm just telling you the facts of what happened because I was 19 and married, trying to survive on small paychecks. Um, you know, we were, we were, we made, like we were making it, we were fine. You know, like it was, you know, I'm not gonna, we had a good life, um, but there was not like excess to be like funneled to student loans um, to, to pay like while I was in school or to pay for school as I was going. Uh, that, that money was not there. So 11 years, loans plus interest, and then more interest that is added every single month. Um, I couldn't find all of the loan information from those years because, um, because of just changing lenders and, and refinancing and whatnot. But I found a loan overview from October of 2017. Um, and this, um, the loan distribution, I can't say the word. Disbursement. The loan disbursement dates are from 2009. So that was when I probably consolidated my loans because I had, um, I probably, that was probably right when I started um, at American Public University, finishing up my master's, that last jaunt there. Um, so I probably consolidated everything um, just to get it all onto one um, so that I could see it because I was going to try to start making payments. Um, so once that was consolidated, um, the, it says on there that the total loan amount from 2009 was $60,461.05. That was the original loan amount. That was what was there in 2009, what, what had been dispersed. So on this same piece of paper, right? Cause this piece of paper is from October 31st of 2017. Um, so in 2017, the current principal amount, because of all the capitalization, all of that interest was $70,643.73. Okay. I'm going to back this up because I did forget. I did forget this part. So I started paying my loans back in 2013. I, this statement is from 2017. So I had been paying on the loans for four years at this point. Um, 
So I was paying at least $400 a month. I did not do an income-based repayment plan uh, because based on my income-based repayment plan, it would have um, taken money. um, It would have incorporated the money that my husband made. And part of the agreement when I, when Jay and I um, were, were, you know, when we were discussing getting married and and how the finances and all that would work, um, he, with good reason, he was very leery of the amount of student loans I had and was very scared about that. I have, I do not blame him for, for, for that at all. Um, So in that conversation, I made a promise to him that he would never have to pay a dime on my student loans. I would always pay it. It would always come out of my account. It would always come out of my paycheck. I would never take it out of our account unless like some kind of financial hardship, lost my job, like something of that nature. That would be, um, you know, extenuating circumstance. So I would not do an income-based repayment plan because then the payment was so much higher because it had, we had two incomes. Um, so 2017 paying on them for four years, paying at least $400 a month. That means I had paid in like 19 grand. I had paid 19 grand into these loans and my loans increased by $10,000. That's not how math's supposed to work. Y'all <laughs> if you're steadily paying on something. It shouldn't go up <laughs> like that is just, that feels so wrong. <laughs> so I would again a quick pause to remind you that when you take out student loans, I agreed to take out those loans. I agreed to pay them back. I had no problem with that agreement, right? The problem that I have with with this scenario is that if I'm making payments, then my loan should go down. If I'm making payments on it, if you make payments on your mortgage every single month, you are putting money towards the principal. Your principal is going down. It's not going to all of a sudden four years later go, oh, you know what? That house you borrowed that 2000, that, that, you know, that 200 grand. Yeah, no, now you owe 210. I'm sorry. That's not. No, that's not how that works. (laughs) Okay. So by this time in 2017, um, I was working for Apple. Uh, I was making, um, you know, making, you know, more money than, you know, in, in, in this time, I will tell you this. So in this time I had changed jobs a couple of different times. I had pay increases, um, along the way, you know, so I was making, um, um, I think at this point in 2017, I was pro- I was making above 60 um, at this point. So, um, I at Apple, um, one of the things that they had um, that they had a partnership with was SoFi, a company called SoFi, and in that partnership, it allowed employees to refinance their student loans, and it gave them. Like you got a percentage, like you got like a, like a quarter percent off of whatever rate that was there. That's a heck of a deal, (laughs) y'all. 
when you're looking at like 70 grand um, to refinance, that's a heck of a deal, a quarter of a percent. Plus, if, if you look, if you're, if you're looking online, uh, the interest rates that I was having on my loans um, were like 6.5, 6.55 for most of them. And then six and then 5.625 for a couple of them. Um, and so when I refinanced with SoFi, I took them out of the federal lender. I put them into a private lender. Um, so the government got their money. SoFi paid the government, said, here's your money. She's going to pay us the money back. Okay. Government got their money. Now I owe SoFi. Now, part of the thing when you refinance with a private company is that they don't have all of the things that a government, that, that the government can give you, right? Like deferments are different, forbearance is different, like some things aren't available, some things are, like there's a lot of stuff there. Like you have to make sure that you are, like you read all the fine print. So I moved the 70000 um, in loans over to SoFi at the end of 2017. In 2019, I actually refinanced again with them because I had um, been able to pay off uh, the $10,000 that I had gained when I <laughs> over the four years. Uh, so I refinanced uh, $60,985.99 um, with SoFi in 2019. And I did it on a seven-year term because, y'all, I was as, you know, I was trying to do like the Dave Ramsey thing. Uh, I was trying, I'm, well, we won't talk about Dave Ramsey, um, but I was trying to like have that gazelle intensity, right? About paying off these loans. So I was like, okay, here's what I can do. I'm going to, you know, seven year term, my monthly payment was $854. $854 is how much I was paying out of my paycheck every single month my house payment at that point in time was eight hundred and fifty dollars so that's that's a lot you know so don't tell me that people that pay their student loans don't want to pay them off okay because we're out here trying refinancing, trying to find a better deal, trying to find a better interest rate. How can I pay these dang things down? Because I want to freaking, I would love to buy a car. I drive a 2010 Hyundai Elantra with 240,000 miles on it right now. It's a great car. I love it. But I've had it since it was my work car. And then I bought it when the company got bought out. And so I've had, this has been my personal car since 2014. So I've had this car almost 10 years. I, for very many years, part of the reason that I couldn't buy another car was because I was paying $850 on the student loans. Because I was paying them off. So don't come at me with this people that take out student loans don't want to pay them back. No. We do. We do. All right. So, so there we are. So 2019 refinance seven year term paying $854 a month on these damn loans. Um, in 2020, we sold our house. 
And part of the whole deal in selling our house was if we can sell the house for X amount of money, right? Because this is right, this is pandemic time. Housing markets was just, a, this was right at the beginning of the boom of everybody selling their homes uh, and home prices going bananas. Um, and so I made Jay a deal. I said, if we can sell the house for this much money, um, we can pay this much on my student loans. I can refinance them again and get the payment down. Um, to like around three or 400 a month. And, and then we can, we can afford to move to Florida and we can at this, you know, at this point again, I've been, I was working at Apple. I had been there for, you know, um, almost six years or five years at that point. Right. My, my salary had continued to increase. Um, and, and we were at a place where we were comfortable saying, okay, we can we can move, we can, you know, my paycheck can, here's what we can handle, <laughs> basically. Uh, so let's do this. So we're able to sell our house for that much. Um, and because of Apple, uh, so, so the other part of this is, is when I was working for Apple, I had um, stock. So you, get, you can earn restricted stock units, so RSUs um, that you get and they vest over time. My plan had always been once my student loan um, payment amount, uh, like payoff amount was the same as my RSU payment or my RSU level. Like once they matched, I was cashing out and paying them, them stupid things off. That was always the plan. Always Heather's plan <laughs> to do it because I was, I want out. I want them gone. Uh, it is keeping me from doing things I want to do. It is keeping me from traveling. It is keeping me from buying a new car. It is keeping me from lots of things that I want to do. Um, so I want to get them gone. And when when we when we did the numbers in in, the, in coming around to moving, um, it actually ended up that my stocks were where my payment would be after the money we'd earned from the house that we were going to use towards my loans. Um, and you know, that was just epic. <laughs> so I am very fortunate, extremely fortunate that I was able in the, in the last part of my college journey of my graduate degree, um, of being able to use things like tuition assistance from my employer. Um, I was taking less classes, so it didn't cost as much. Um, I was able to refinance with other companies and get my interest rate down. I was able to, you know, sell some stocks and, and pay off my loans. I was making higher wages year over year, uh, making the you know, good career moves, that kind of thing. Um, Jay, when we were in Alabama and Jay was working full time, um, that was part of the reason where I was able to take so much of my income, right? I split my income out where, okay, my, here's my part. And I paid this much amount into our, into our joint account that pays our house bills. And then this part, I'm going to now pay this, you know, my, my bills, right? My student loan, my credit cards, whatever. Um, so I was very fortunate for a lot of reasons to be able to pay off my student loans faster than anticipated. But I will tell you, the stress of those loans, the thing, the, those hanging over my head of almost costing me um, my, you know, 
my Jay was again. I said that earlier, right? Jay was very concerned. Jay was almost like, I don't know, should we get married? Like he, he was like, you know, almost didn't want to marry me, really, because of the student loans. I mean, he he wanted to marry me, but like it's like it was, you know, a big amount of money. I get it, but the the stress and and the budgeting and trying to figure all of it out, like all of that. I will never forget. And, you know, people that took out student loans that are happy about student loan forgiveness are not, they're not trying to get out of pain. That's not what's happening. They're just trying to, like, they're just trying to, like, live. Right? They're just trying to, like, hey, let me, you know, if I, so if I can get this much paid off, that puts this much back in you know, I can then pay them off in, you know, three years sooner. Okay, that puts me doing this. Or, you know what, that amount goes down. Maybe I can refinance now. I can get a lower payment. I'm able to, you know, put more money back into the economy because now I can afford to do that. Hey, guess what? I can afford to go and, um, you know, now and I, and I can, you know, maybe, you know, maybe get a bigger apartment or I can, you know, because I have two kids and they share a bedroom. I don't know. There's so many different scenarios out there. But any, any of that, 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 that's happening, it's not like people, again, people don't take out student loans to go buy Gucci. They take out student loans to pay for college. They understand they need to pay them back. But when you go through years and years and years of that capitalized interest, that compounded interest, that just murders your, just, just, oh, it just kills it. Oh, it just, and it makes it so hard to overcome. Now, before, so I don't even know how long I've been talking, so my apologies. I'm not even through a glass of wine. Mm -mm. Okay. So before I, I go into into some other stuff about this, let me tell you this. If I were to do things over, if I were to do things over, like if you're sitting there, you're like, okay, I'm going to go to college. What should I do? How can I avoid, you know, getting into student loan debt? You know, and, and I, there's an episode, I think in the first season about student loans that I did. Um, and I think I talked about this specifically about like, you don't have to go to school you don't have to get your four-year degree in four years. None says you do. Like, if I were to go back today, if I were, if I knew what I knew, and I were, you know, going to go into college, I would actually take and say, okay, so here's what I'm making at my job, and I want to go to school. How much are classes? What can I afford? What can I put back? What can, like... How can I pay for college as I go? Um, you know, or, you know, how can I, you know, like finding just a better way than taking out loans, I would try to do. I don't think loans are necessarily a complete, they're not completely bad. Um, it's, it, it's some of the things surrounding things like the unsubsidized loans with the interest and the capitalization of that interest. Um, and then the, just the, the crazy amount that things, we're going to get into some calculators in a second, but just it, it's stuff like that, that makes it 
not good. Um, and so I would do it differently if I were doing it today. Um, if I were to, you know, if I, um, had had children, um, I would have tried to save money for their college, um, you know, to, to be able to, you know, assist them with college or, you know, if the time came and, and I hadn't done that, I would try to help pay their college. Like I would, you know, do those things. Those are not things that are afforded to everybody. Those were not things that were afforded to me. Um, you know, I, my, my parents did not pay for any of my college and that's just, that's what it was. Um, and that's okay. Like they, you know, they, um, you know, financially, it wasn't something that they, that they could do. So that's okay. I was like, well, I want to go to college. And, uh, and I, I had a half scholarship to Jacksonville state that I gave up, um, and decided not to go to Jacksonville state. So, I mean, I think I was still spent more money and <laughs> I gone down to Jacksonville state, even with a half scholarship, um, because it's a more expensive school than where I went. And there was room and board and there was the, like all, and I had no clue where I would have worked, like no idea. So, um, there's different, different things to it. So let's talk a little bit about, I, I want to show you, oh yeah, let me show you this because this was fascinating to me. Um, let me share again. Window. Okay. So if. If I were going to school, like if I had a kid right now, or if I were um, a younger person and I was looking at going to school on the federal student aid website, there is this page and it is the checklist for academic and financial preparation. I find this extremely fascinating that they have one for elementary school. Y'all. The fact that they are like, okay, elementary school students, here's what you need to do to start planning for college. There's something wrong with the system. <laughs> like, let, let's take, we'll take a quick look at it. I don't think thinking about the future is wrong for, for children. Please don't get that. Please don't think that. I, I absolutely look for the future, those kind of things, right? But it's like, do your best in school, read a lot, have fun learning. Those are absolutely yes. Do all of those things, children, please have, have fun and learn. Um, and then like the parent to do list here, um, is help them develop a reading, uh, an interest in reading, um, check their homework, um, start saving for their college education, um, read the saving early equals saving smart handout. Um, you know, and then help your, your check out helping your child become a, become a reader. Like, I mean, those are good practical things that are, are good for, for anybody. Let me, my, let me say that. But I just think it's funny that they started elementary school. It feels weird to me. Um, then for middle school, uh, it says like to, to think about college as an important part of their future and discuss their ideas, uh, start saving for college take challenging and interesting classes to prepare for high school. Um, ask your parent to help you research high schools. Let me say this. This is not an option for everybody. There was no researching high schools for me. I had the one I could go to. The one that was there. Two streets from my house. That was it. 
That is not a privilege everyone has. Um, it talks about developing strong study habits, uh, doing your best in school and on standardized tests. It says, if you are having difficulty, don't give up. Get help from a teacher, tutor, mentor, tutor, <laughs> tutor. <laughs> um, be involved. Uh, speak with adults. Uh, find out why you should prepare for college now. I don't think it's a bad thing for middle schoolers, but it still feels weird. It, it still feels very strange and it feels like, especially at the beginning where it says like, think about college as an important part of your future. Why college? Why don't we think about what you like? Why don't we open it up to say, Hey, college is an option. There's also trade schools. There's also those types of professions that you can go and get certifications in versus college. Like, why can't we just explore all of those things versus just college? Um, for parents of middle schoolers, uh, it talks about how to use the student aid, um, the federal student aid estimator. We're going to use that in just a second um, because, yeah, uh, fascinating. Uh, continue to save for their education. Um, talk to them about their interests and match those with majors and careers, you know, because those middle schoolers, they know what they want to do. I mean, I don't know what I wanted to be in middle school. Probably something weird. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's good to have those conversations. I just still feel like it's, it's just very, I don't know. I just, I feel like you're not even letting them be. You're not even letting them be a child. Like you're, it's not helping them explore like what they want to do. Um, it also says for parents to keep an eye on your child's grades and get them tutoring assistance if necessary. Um, again, that's not a privilege everyone has. Not everyone has access to that. Uh, for high school checklist, there is one for ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth grade. There's also a grad school checklist, an adult student checklist, and then getting a late start. It's a last minute checklist. <laughs> We'll have to click on that one. Uh, if school starts next month, so apply for your loans, uh, ask your school what other financial help they can offer and keep in touch with them regarding any paperwork. And if school starts next week, fill out your uh, financial aid form immediately uh, and then talk to the financial aid office. Yeah. Uh, last minute to do list. Very fascinating uh, to me when when I think about that kind of stuff. Okay, let's go back. We're going to go to... Oh, I think I have it up here. Yeah. All right. The Federal Student Aid Estimator. Uh, we're going to look at this at the moment. So so here's here's our scenario. Um, I have it written out somewhere. Oh, here we go. Okay. Um because it asked me lots of questions. And so I, you know, I did prepare. Um, I am going to be an 18 year old. Cool. Cool. Okay. Um, all right. So my date of birth, here we go. I'm 18. Uh, I'm single, right? Just graduated high school, not married. Uh, living in Florida. Woo. Um, I'm going to be a freshman in college. All right. Dependency information. 
here we go. Do I have children or other dependents you support? No, I do not. So, nope. Uh, and then there's like additional dependency information. Um, obviously, I'm not in the military. Uh, I wasn't in foster care. Uh, both of my parents are uh, still alive. Um, I am not an uh, emancipated minor and I'm not homeless, right? So none of the above there. So we'll continue on. And then it's uh, now we're at parent information. Okay, uh, I've been identified as a dependent student, so I need to provide information about my parents. So, who is considered a parent? Um, so, for this, a parent means your legal um, parent or step-parent, um, either your biological or adoptive parent, uh, or the person who has, that the state has determined to be your parent. All right. Now, as of today, what is the marital status of your primary parent? Um, let's say, let's say that my, 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 my parent is married or remarried. What is my parent's age? Um, uh, let's see. So, uh, if I'm 18, let's say my mom is 39 and we'll say that my mom lives in Florida. Uh, and then how many people are in the household? Um, including myself. Well, let's see, there's my mom and my stepdad and myself and my brothers. That's four people. Okay, when you're in college, how many people um, in your parents' household will be students in college? Just me, just me. Okay, income and assets. Did my parents file taxes last year? Yes, they did. Did I file taxes last year? Yes, I did. Um, household income. So I looked this up. Uh, the median income, the median income, for a two-person household is $67,000. So that's what I'm going to say my parents make. They make median income. My income, well, I, I make, I, you know, I've been, I've been down uh, working at the Starbucks. Um, and I've, I'm making $15 an hour. I have no idea if that's what Starbucks pays, by the way. Not sure. Uh, but we're going to say they do. They do in my dream. Um, and I'm working part-time, 20 hours a week. Cause I've been, I've been in high school. So 20 hours a week, $15 an hour. I made $15,600. That's what I made last year. That's what I claimed on my taxes. Now, what is the total of your household assets? So this is like cash, checking or savings account, net worth, including real estate. That's not your primary residence. Um, and like current businesses, investment farms, that kind of thing. We're going to say that my parents, um, you know, they've, they've been trying to save some money. Um, and, you know, with their, you know, with their stuff, let's say they have $10,000 in assets. I, I, you know, I've been trying to save money. Um, you know, I've been making, making that money at Starbucks. I've been trying to, you know, paying for my, paying for my gas and, and paying for my insurance, you know, trying to help out where I can. Um, paying for food when I go out with my friends, um, buying clothes, all that stuff. So, but I, I've managed to save a thousand dollars, you know, I've managed to save that money. So we're going to continue that. Those are my assets, a thousand dollars. Um, so it says that based on my household size of four and, uh, uh $82,600 of income and $11,000 in assets, that the estimated family contribution 
would be $9,162 a year. $9,000 a year is what it says that my parents and me could come up with. Now, this did not ask about how much house payments were, how much debt was had, like, like my parents may have, uh, or maybe like that I have, or like if we had any other like medical expense, like any other like expense. Let's say that my brother, uh, you know, you know my sibling had uh, something medical and it required extra care. Like, there were no questions like that. It just says, guess what? We think you can pay $9,000 a year. Sounds like a plan. So, uh, so how your, um, how your EFC, um, your, um, your expected family contribution factors in is your, your college must first determine whether you're, you have a financial need, but then it starts with assessing the cost of attendance, which is just more than your, which is more than your tuition, uh, minus that EFC and that equals your financial need. Now, uh, it also gives you, and obviously these are all estimates. These are all fake numbers that I put in here um, and and stuff. But it does say here that, um, oh, not you, Siri. I didn't want to say, I didn't want to say hi to Siri. I wanted to put on, sorry, I got to put my do not disturb back on. Um, so it does say on this page, right? It gives us an idea of like what I would be eligible for. Um, so I would not be eligible for a federal Pell Grant. So I can't get a Pell Grant. Um, a Pell Grant is the largest federal grant program that's offered to undergraduates. It is designed to assist students from low-income households. Um, it is unlike a loan. It does not have to be repaid except under certain circumstances. I'm not going to get into Pell Grants. I do not know anything about Pell Grants. I did not qualify for them when I was in college. So I cannot tell you any anything specific about how they work other than if we read about them and we got too much other stuff to talk about. Um, it says I would be eligible for federal work study. Uh, if I did that, I could, I could maybe get like 18, $1,800. Cool. Uh, and then I would be, uh, eligible for, um, the, uh, $5,500 in direct, um, loans. So in subsidized loans, um, that's what I'd be eligible for. So let's think about it. Okay. This is, this is, you know, so, okay. That's, that's what I'm eligible for. Cool. Got it. Now let's think about what college costs. So I live here, uh, in Florida. Uh, I live, uh, around the Tampa area. So, uh, let's say I was going to go to the university of South Florida, which is, which is in Tampa. Um, I've already filled this out. <coughs> Sorry. It asked me um, many of the same questions. Um, actually, hold on. We'll just start over. Uh, yes, I will um, apply for financial aid. I'm 18 years old. I'm going to live with my parents. Um, I'm eligible for in-state tuition because I live here. I am not married. I do not have any children. Um, there are four people in my household. There will be one of us in college. Annual household income, that was 82, 86, uh, remember, because that's my parents and mine. 
Um, all right, so here we are. Yep, that looks like me. Okay, so the so this is based on the information you have provided. The following calculations represent an average net price of attendance that students similar to me paid in the in the academic year of 2020 to 2021. Um, and so the estimated cost of attendance is $11,610. That includes tuition and fees, um, no room and board because I'm living at home, uh, books and supplies, and then other expenses. So this would be like personal expenses, transportation, supplies, that kind of thing. Um, so let's just, let's take out the fact and um, let, like, let's take out that $4,000. let us let us say I don't need that part, right? Let's. We'll take out those other expenses. So the school would cost me $7,500. Okay. Um, and so I'm eligible. Uh, it says, you know, this estimates my total grant being um, like 6200 And then, um, so after that, right, after my loans, I would still owe like 5300 a year, um, basically. But let's say for this example, 7,500, 7,500 a year is what we'll, that's the number we're going to go with. Living at home, two parents making, and I'm making $15 an hour working part-time. Okay. Y'all follow, y'all with me? I hope so. Because I know we've gone through a lot so far. <laughs> and we're not even to the forgiveness part. Lord have mercy. Um, Okay. So if, um, if I'm eligible for, right, I'm eligible for those subsidized loans because, um, this, this little calculator said, said I was right. I could be eligible for those loans. So if I took and I did, I took out the 5,500 in subsidized loans, which is no interest while I'm enrolled in attending school and in 4.99% after, um, the remaining balance each year that I would be borrowing would be. Um, you know, $2,010 each year. And it's a 4.99% interest while I'm in school and when I graduate. So we're going to, and we're going to say the reason I'm taking out the money from both sides, the reason I'm taking it out is because even though I'm making that $15 an hour, I'm using that to pay for the transportation, the other expenses, the other things to, to be able to, you know, live my life, um, so to speak. Uh, maybe, you know, again, car insurance, um, tags, any, anything like that, cell phone bills. Cause I, I mean, I know at least for me when I was, I started paying my own cell phone bill at, at 16 when I had, when I got a job. So, you know, that, that was something that I paid for. Um, cause this was back in, you know, when not everybody had cell phones. <laughs> And I was like, can I get a cell phone? I'll pay for it. Um, so, so let's just assume that that's why I'm taking out the whole amount to pay for school. Because the money that I am bringing in from my, my job at the Starbucks, um, that is, that is paying for those things. Okay. We good? Following? All right. Let me, I can't remember if I still have it up here. I think it's this one. No, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, this is one of them. Okay. We'll look at that one for a second. I don't have this one. I don't have this other one up anymore. But 
So upon graduation, my subsidized loans would be $22,000, right? These are the ones that did not collect any interest while I was in school. The unsubsidized loans that I took out, and we'll say I graduated in four years, um, before interest, it was um, $8,000. Um, there was a calculator I found on Smart Asset. It's the student loan projector calculator. Um, and so here it says, like, it had me put in, oh, wait, hold on. Maybe I can, oh, no, wait, it's not that one. It's this one. Sorry. It's from calculator.net. Can I go to this website, please? There we go. Boom. Hey, here we go. Okay. So, ooh, sorry. Nose did you. So I said, I'm going to graduate in four years. Uh, I, I said that I was going to, it was, you know, $2,010 current balance. Um, oh, my current balance. Oh, I said I didn't put that in, did I? Um, what would be the current balance? It would be what? Eight, zero, four, zero. That'd be right. 10 years. Oh no, that's not right. Okay. Let's go with that. Okay. So here we go. So amount borrowed or loan term, let's say I'm going to do it 10 years. I'm going to get 10 years to pay that back. Uh, I have a six month grace period because you do have six months after you graduate to start paying on your loans. Um, and the interest rate is 4.99. Did I pay interest during school? Nope, sure did not. Uh, that's going to add on there. So coming out of school, um, I now owe $10,188 and 49 cents according to this. So now I owe 10 grand on the eight that I, that I borrowed. That's capitalization. So now my loans are going to enter repayment and uh, my loans will now, that $10,000 will now continue to collect 4.99% interest. Hopefully you're following. All right. So there's this other handy calculator. Here we go from smart asset where I was able to say, okay, my first loan amount was 22,000. My interest rate is 4.99. We're going to try to pay that back in 10 years. My second loan amount, 10,000, 4.99% interest, 10 years. So my estimated monthly payment for both of those is $341. $341. If I was able to pay that every single month for 10 years, I would have them paid off and I would have paid a total of $40,950. Got it. That's how interest works. If you, if you, uh, you know, if like credit card, right? You put money on a credit card, you don't pay it off every month. It earns, it gets interest. Like you, that, that's how this works. It's fine. It's how houses work too. So, okay. Got it. $341. All right. So I, I graduate high, I graduate high school. I graduate college. Okay. Uh, and let's say I got, I got my degree in, um, let's say I got my degree. I mean, I got a psychology degree. Um, so we'll say that in my fictional story, I get another psychology degree with a psychology degree. There's not a lot you can do. 
if you want to go into the field of psychology, you do have to pursue some sort of master's uh, uh, for like counseling or going into like psychology, um, social work, anything like that. Like it requires a, an advanced degree. So having just a bachelor's in psychology, the, the doors that it opens for you are more, you know, probably along the, you can do a lot of things. I mean, not box this in. Um, I did sales and management um, for a long time. I did training. Um, you know, I did some HR, like entry kind of stuff as well. Um, so let's say that um, I graduate from college. Uh, you know, I now have, um, I, I now have gotten a position um, as a, what can I be? Uh, I'm going to be, uh, I've been working at Starbucks. So, you know what? Starbucks has been so good to me. Uh, I'm now going to go full-time with Starbucks. I'm actually going to be a manager at Starbucks. They've been so good to me. Um, Starbucks is probably a bad example because they do have tuition assistance. <laughs> I didn't use it. Gosh, that was so silly of me. Why didn't I use that tuition assistance at Starbucks? Um, so let's say I worked at Bucky Stars Coffee Shop. Uh, instead, I've been working at Bucky Stars for four years, making that $15 an hour. Maybe I've made a little bit more here and there. Maybe I'm, you know, rolling up to like 17 at this point, you know, because I've been there for a while. Uh, and they've said, hey, guess what? You graduated college. We got a management position open. We'd love for you to come on board, be a manager with us. Uh, and, and we're going to pay you um, your, your, your starting wage. You're going to be $30,000. $30,000. How about that? $30,000 entry level manager at Bucky Stars Coffee Shop. Okay. So that's where, so let's say that's where we are. So I'm making 30 grand a year. Not married. Still not married. You know, uh, you know, and I'm like, you know, it's time though. It's time I'm going to move out. So now I'm going to have, a, I've got a rent payment. Um, I, you know, my car is doing good, so, so I don't have a car payment right now. Um, and then I've got, you know, now I'm going to have the student loan payment, and I've got food. You know, I, I got a pet, so I got to feed my pet, take them to the vet, that stuff. And then I got my insurance I got to pay for because, I mean, Bucky Stars, there's, it's a great coffee shop, but they don't offer insurance. So I got to pay for that now because I'm about to go off my parents' insurance. So I got to plan for that. Um, so, right, there's all these things ticking, ticking, ticking up. This monthly payment is three hundred and forty-one dollars. I, I don't have a well. I could do my calculation, but I'm not going to. Um, so <laughs> I hope I didn't confuse you all with this because it, it's just there's so many factors that if if you've never had a student loan. If you've never had to go down this route, if you've never had somebody walk you through it and, and explain to you all of these things that happen, and there's so many things that are contingent upon like what happens after college or even during college, that can set you up for this to be very difficult for you, you know, for people that are, are paying back their loans. Again, if you take out the loans, you do owe the money and, and you do pay it back. That is the agreement that you make. 
I'm not saying that people should not pay back their loans. But at this point in time, the amount of people who are, who, who've had these loans for so long and so much interest has compounded, um, even though there's been a, a pause on interest in, in payments over the last, I, I can't even remember how long now, almost two years because of the pandemic, um, there's still so much that it, it's just, it's hurting. This, this stuff, it's, it's oppressive to, to, to people who are really trying to, they went to school to do the right thing because guess what? You saw the checklist. They've been told from a young age, you gotta go to college. You want to better yourself. You gotta go to college. What do you want to do in college? What do you want to get? Come on. So it, it's, Y'all, I just, I get really, really passionate about this because it's, people don't want, I don't think necessarily that people are looking for a handout. They're not looking for you to forgive all of their loans. They're just looking for the fact of like, hey, you know what? I would like to someday in the next, how, you know, instead of paying 20 more years, shoot that $10,000, maybe I can pay it off in 15. Like, just give me a little breathing room, um, you know, to be able to, you know, and again, that money that they're not, you know, that's coming off of that, that's going to be money that they're not having to pay in, that they're going to be able to spend out in the world, that they're going to be able to spend out in the economy and help boost the economy, right? They're going to be able to pay tax, you know, be able to like buy things and pay taxes. Y'all like, Everyone's like gripe about like, we're going to have to pay for it back. Well, guess what? Guess what? Those of us sitting right here today are paying taxes for things that have nothing to do with us at this moment. We're paying into social security. Is it going to be there when I need it? I don't know. I have no idea. That's not a topic we're talking about today. But what I'm saying is I'm paying for it. Am I going to be able to reap the benefits of it? I don't know. So if you're paying for the student loan debt, if you feel like you're paying for the student loan debt of other people, they're probably paying the for you in some way. This is how this works, y'all. <laughs> you can't, you can't be all for yourself. Like, be happy for other people to be able to be like, oh my gosh, guess what? Like, oh, I'm going to be able to now save for this. Or I'm going to be able to, like, I could eat out, you know, one more time this week. I don't, I, I, I just, I don't get it. I don't get why people can't be happy for each other, um, for, for good things happening. But everybody likes to be political about it. Um, Okay. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to look at, uh, and I know, uh, thanks for sticking with me. I've been here for an hour and 26 minutes. Y'all are kind people. If you're still here with me, I appreciate it. Um, there's a, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to split something out. That's work. If you need to pause and come back later, that's fine. 
Okay. Let's look at the, let's, let's take a look now. We're going to actually take a look at the fact, the fact sheet. Uh, this is, uh, President Biden announces student loan relief for borrowers, borrowers who need it most. So let me share this back because that's what we're going to look at right now. We're going to read through this a little bit. Um, so it's a three part plan. Uh, where he has promised to cancel $10,000 of student loan debt for low to middle income borrowers. And I think this is very important uh, for people to understand as well. That this is not for the people, like this is not for people who go, oh, it's an $800 payment. Yeah, I can pay that back, no problem. This is not for them. These are the people that are going, oh no, I have a $400 payment. My... It, it, you know, it's student loans or food. What is, what is it going to be? Like, that's that's who this is for. This is for people who are struggling to make that payment because they're in that low to middle income bracket. All right. So, um, so it says President Biden believes that a post high school education should be a ticket to a middle class life. But for far too many, the cost of borrowing for college is a lifelong burden that deprives them of that opportunity. During the campaign, he promised to provide student debt relief. And today, this would have been the 24th of August of 2022, the Biden administration following through on that promise um, and providing families breathing room as they prepare to start repayment or repaying loans after the economic crisis brought on by the pandemic. So, in 19, since 1980, the total cost of both four-year public and four-year private college uh, has nearly tripled. So remember at the very beginning, I said that there are, there are systems that, that are in reforms that need to be done. Like there needs to be changes in every aspect of this process. <laughs> Um, but that, you know, and, and that's, it's even including or even accounting for inflation. It's nearly tripled. So federal support has not kept up. Pell Grants used to cover nearly 80% of the cost of a four-year public college degree for students with work from working families. And now it only covers a third. So that has left many students from low and middle income families with no choice but to borrow if they want to get a degree. Um, and so according to the Department of Education Analysis, the typical undergraduate student with loans now graduates with nearly $25,000 in debt. I would say that's probably on the low side, depending on where you go, for sure. Um, it says the um, skyrocketing cumulative federal loan, federal student loan debt um, is $1.6 trillion and rising for more than 45 million borrowers. And is a significant burden on the on America's middle class. Middle class borrowers struggle with high monthly payments and ballooning balances that make it harder for them to build wealth like buying homes, putting away money for retirement, starting small businesses. Um, so I'll pause right here for a second when it talks about that middle class borrowers struggle to like to do like these payments are inhibiting them from doing things like buying a home putting away retirement money. Um, I mean, right now, y'all, I will tell you right now, if Jay and I were to sell our house and it is worth more money, we've been here for two years and it's been bananas how much 
it's estimated at. I, I'm like, there's no, uh, no, I would never pay. I, I wouldn't, I don't know that I'd pay that much for the house. <laughs> but if we were to sell our house right now, we couldn't afford to move. I couldn't afford to buy another house right now on my same street. Even with the money I would make off this house, putting down as a down payment, I would still not be able to afford a house on my street. That's, this is the reason, right? It's trying to allow people the opportunity to buy homes, to save for retirement, so that they, you know, have some cushion and they're not, they don't feel like I'm going to be working till I'm, you know, uh, until the end because I've got these student loans. Okay. Sorry. Get back on point. Uh, for the most vulnerable borrowers, the effects of debt are even more crushing. Nearly one third of borrowers have debt, but no degree, according to an, an analysis by the Department of Education uh, of a recent cohort of undergraduates. Since most students uh, or many students may not complete their degree because of the cost of attendance being too high, about 16% of borrowers are in default. Nearly a third of senior citizens, including nearly a third of senior citizens with student debt. We have senior citizens with student debt. Please tell me how this makes sense. Um, I mean, I, I know some people may have gone back to school later in life, but I, I just, okay, oh, man. Okay. So, uh, if borrowers are in default, right, this can cause the government, uh, to garnish their wages or lower or lower their credit score. Again, making it harder to purchase the house, to, to do things that they need to do. Right. Um, not that you need to buy a house. Please don't take it that way. Um, the student debt burden also falls disproportionately on black borrowers. Uh, 20 years after first enrolling in school, the typical black borrower um, who started college in 1995-96 school year still owes 95% of their original student debt. Uh, now, this links out to an article. I'll make sure that I link it down uh, in the description uh, if you would like to read it, it was a really good article about, um, I think it's this one. Is it this one that I have up or is it? No, it's this one. It's, uh, I think it's called stalling dreams. Um, and it talks about uh, how student debt is disrupting life changes and widening the racial wealth gap. Um, so it was a good article. I have to sneeze. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay. Um, so all right, so there's there's kind of the backstory, right? So today, last week, uh, Biden announced the three-part plan to provide more breathing room for America's working families so they can continue to recover from strains associated with the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, and so it offers targeted debt relief as part of a comprehensive effort to address the burden of growing college costs and make student the student loan system more man manageable for working families. So before I get into the, to the pieces of this, think about this. You went to college. Like, I think about myself, right? I went to college, student loan debt. Let's say things had been different. I had a kid. Uh, if I had had a child, more than likely, I would not have paid off my student loans. 
Uh, and let's say that I had had a child in my at age 30. Um, then this child would be like eight. And I would still be paying on my student loans. And trying to figure out how am I going to pay for my child's college so they don't have to go into student loan debt. Like, it's it's causing generational problems. People can say, people can get online and say, well, I pay for my kid's school. So, um, you know, I don't know what, I don't know what the problem is. Uh, I, I, I mean, I worked hard and paid for my kid's school. Good. Glad. Bravo. Thank you. Thank you for paying for your child's school. That's amazing that you were able to do that. If you had student loans, would you have been? Could you have done it? Because that's what's happening right now is people are having student loans. They're putting off things like having children, buying houses, buying cars, um, starting businesses, um, those kind of things. They're putting off those kinds of things because they have this debt. And they're like, I don't know what to do. I can't. I can't, I can't do, I can't bring, I can't do these things because I, I'm not going to be able to afford to feed this child because I had the student loan debt. Either that or the student loan debt goes in default so I can feed the child. And then if I got to figure out how to save money for the child to go, for them to go to college, I don't even know how I'm going to do that. Like it's, we're trying to break that cycle of like just to get just to help people get back, help them get back up, help them be able to do those things and contribute more into our economy. <sighs> okay, let me talk about the different parts of the uh, of the uh, the debt relief. Um, so it's going to provide targeted debt relief to address the financial harms of the pandemic, uh, fulfilling his campaign promise. So it says the Department of Education will provide up to 20000 in debt cancellation to Pell Grant recipients with loans hail, held by the Department of Education. And so remember, right, Pell Grants um, are loaned and typically do not have to be paid back. But because Pell Grants were only providing at this point like a third of what college costs, that is why that, that is probably some of the reason why there's that that difference, right? A Pell Grant recipient is going to get more um, to help cancel their debt because the Pell Grant initially did not give them enough to to cover. Um, and then it's up to $10,000 in debt cancellation for non-Pell Grant recipients. Um, and so this would be borrowers and this would, and this says borrowers are eligible for this relief if their individual income is less than two is less than 125000 or 250 for married couples. No high-income individual or high-income household in the top 5% of incomes will benefit from this action, right? This is to ensure a true, a smooth transition to repayment and prevent unnecessary defaults, right? Because the, the federal student loan payment pause is paused through December 21st, and then they are expected to resume payments in January, um, so this also, sorry, they're also working to make the student loan system more manageable for current and future borrowers. This is where I think like these are the helpful things for people. So 
It says cutting monthly payments in half for undergraduate loans. So the Department of Education is proposing a new income-driven repayment plan that protects more low-income borrowers from making any payments and caps um, monthly payments for undergraduate loans at 5% of a borrower's discretionary income. And that's half of the rate that the borrowers must pay, uh, that they must pay now. So existing plans, it's 10%. I think it's actually 10 to 15, depending on the plan. Um, and so that would mean like the average annual student loan payments would be lowered uh, more than $1,000 for both current and future borrowers. So currently, if they're having to pay 10% of their discretionary income, uh, it will go down to 5%, which again, more money in their pocket, which means more money that they can put it back into the economy. More taxes that they're paying for things when they go out to buy stuff. Um, Fixing, uh, also says it's going to uh, try to fix the broken public service loan forgiveness program by uh, proposing a rule that borrowers who have worked in a nonprofit, in a military or in federal, state, tribal or local government receive appropriate credit toward loan forgiveness. Uh, and these improvements will build on the temporary changes of the Department of Education uh, or that they have already made to the PSLF. Uh, under which more than 175,000 public servants have already had more than 10 billion in loan forgiveness approved. I remember when this came out and because I feel like this came out about the time, like I was getting ready to graduate with my bachelor's or with my master's. And um, it was... Like there was the idea of like, okay, well, okay, could I go do, uh, could I go do that for a year? Like, is that possible uh, to try to get some, uh, try to get some help? Should I go into teaching? Should I go teach? Like there was that idea. And I was like, I have a psychology degree. I have no desire to do that. But then I had, I had heard of people that did, like they did, they actually went and did those programs and they did not get the forgiveness. Like it was in, insane. I watched a video the other day of these individuals who were in the military, different branches of military who qualified for it. And still they were told no, that they didn't like they had paid all of the payments that they were required to pay. And they were still told that they weren't able to be forgiven, like, but no reason why. So like, it's, it's things like this that need to be done, right? Reforms that need to be made. If you're going to offer the, the forgiveness programs, okay, what are the stipulations? How do people get it? How do people apply? How can we, that way, if people are choosing to go in that space, they can get, they can reap the benefits of that type of forgiveness. Okay. Uh, the next one um, is uh, to protect future students and taxpayers by reducing the cost of college and holding schools accountable when they hike up prices. Uh, it says the president championed the latest increase to Pell Grants in over a decade and one of the largest one-time influxes to college and universities. To further reduce the cost of college, the president will continue to fight to double the maximum Pell Grant and make community college free. Meanwhile, colleges have an obligation to keep their prices reasonable and ensure borrowers get value for their investment, not debt they cannot afford. This administration has already taken key steps to strengthen accountability, including in areas where the previous administration weakened rules. The Department of Education is announcing new efforts to encourage or to ensure student borrowers get value for their college costs. 
Um, and, and I think that I think that's good. I mean, he can't set he can't tell uh, the colleges what to charge. That is not something that the president can do. Um, he cannot say you can only charge this much money. Sorry, it's going to cost you this much to go to Harvard. And it's going to cost you the same amount to go to the community college down the street. That's not how it works, y'all. Um, the colleges said that, but he can try to influence and the Department of Education can try to work with them to make sure that that they are setting good prices, but also that the schools that are maybe like looked like the community colleges, things like that, that are maybe looked at as a lower school, that they are offering quality education. Um, that somebody that goes there is going to have a fantastic education. Um, just like, you know, just because they can't afford to go to a big uh, university doesn't mean that they get a, an education that's so off kilter you know, they can do things like that, but they can't set the rules. They can't set the prices for the college, for universities to charge. That's not what they do. All right. Oh, okay. Let's see if there was anything else I was going to cover here. Oh, yeah. So if a borrower claim, if all borrowers claim the relief they are entitled to, these actions will provide relief for up to 43 million borrowers, including canceling the full remaining balance for roughly 20 million borrowers. Y'all, that is amazing. That is amazing. The amount of money that that would put back into the economy to stimulate the economy would is amazing um the other other ones right that are, are going to be able to have lower payments or payments that don't last as long you know they're going to be able to again be putting money back into the economy sooner rather than later um then it says uh target relief do dollars um right that the actions will target those relief dollars toward the low and middle income borrowers um, and it says that uh, nearly 90% of the relief dollars will go to those earning less than 75000 a year. Um, okay. And then it will help borrowers of all ages. Um, it says that the Department of Education estimates that among borrowers who are eligible for relief, 21% are 25 years and younger, and 44% are ages 26 to 39. That is the, those are that's my age group right there. Those are the people that are having children or not having children because they can't afford it. Um, those are the people that are looking to buy houses. Uh, those are the ones that are looking to, to do those things and to, and to enter into right the, the economy and to be giving back in that way and, and, and doing those things. 44% of them. Right? That's 44% of the borrowers live in that circle. And then more than a third of the borrowers age 40 and up, including 5% of borrowers who are senior citizens. Um, and then it's uh, also should help advance racial, uh, racial equality uh, by targeting relief to the borrowers with the highest economic need. Um, the administration's actions are likely to help narrow the racial racial wealth gap so black students are more likely to borrow for school and are more likely to take out larger loans um, they are twice as likely to receive Pell Grants compared to their white peers and other borrowers of color are also more likely than their peers to receive uh, I read that sentence twice sorry 
Um, uh, our other borrowers of color are also more likely to receive uh, than their peers to receive Pell Grants. Okay. Um, and then there's another article that you can link out to you and read uh, from Urban Institute. It was a study they did that found that debt forgiveness programs targeting those who receive Pell Grants while in college will advance racial equality. Um, all right. So they're working on the application program right now. Um, to get it uh, to get it up and going so people can register or apply for it um all right okay so some of the other things right that it's going to do is um right so it's going to cut again it's going to cut half the amount that borrowers have to pay each month from 10 percent to five percent of their discretionary income if they have that income driven repayment um, it's going to raise the amount of income that's considered non-discretionary income and therefore is protected from repayment, guaranteeing that no borrower earning under 225% of the federal poverty level, which is about the equivalent of a $15 minimum wage for a single borrower, will have to make a payment. So me working over at, at Bucky Stars Coffee Shop, that that is huge help. I'm still only making $15 an hour. Uh, it's going to forgive the loan balances after 10 years of payments instead of 20. Um, for borrowers with original loan balances of 12000 or less. Um, and then going to cover borrowers' unpaid monthly interest so that um, unlike other existing income-driven repayment plans, no borrower's loan, uh, loan balance will grow as they make their monthly payments. Thank you. <laughs> That's the worst that you can just sit there and you're paying and paying and paying and it just grows and grows and grows and grows. Like, I'm not getting anywhere. It's so frustrating. Oh, okay. Now, uh, it gives a couple, they have a couple examples here that I think it's, I mean, I like when people give examples because, I mean, I can make up figures and, and stuff all day long. Uh, but, you know, they do have some uh some examples here that they that they've given. Um, it says a typical con- single construction worker making eight thirty eight thousand a year with a construction management credential would only pay thirty one dollars a month compared to the hundred and forty seven they pay now under the most uh, recent income driven repayment plan, which is an average savings of fourteen hundred dollars. So they went from they could go from paying. In this example, $147 to $31. That's $116. That's gas in the tank. That's food on the table. That's an electric bill. That's $116. What, what, that's money back in the economy. That's money maybe it's for retirement. That's money for diapers, for daycare. I don't know, right? I mean, well, I mean, he's a single construction worker, so maybe he doesn't have a kid because he's a single construction worker, but you get it. Um, the next example is a typical single public school teacher with an undergraduate degree making 44000 a year will only pay $56 a month on their loans compared to the 197 they pay now under the most recent income-driven repayment plan, which is an annual savings of nearly $1,700. So the, the teachers, the new teachers that are out there, you know, buying stuff for their classrooms, trying to get everything ready, right? Instead of having to... Um, you know, they, they would be able to, you know, maybe do a little bit more, maybe not, maybe for the classroom, but maybe just for themselves. 
um, you know, to be able to do a little bit more because they're going to be able to save that money every month. Uh, the last one they have example is a typical nurse making 77,000 a year who is married with two children would only pay $61 a month for their undergraduate loans compared to the 295 they pay now under the most recent income driven repayment plan. And that's an annual savings of more than $2,800. Could you imagine if you're, if you're putting out $300 a month. And so we got 295 minus 61. So it's $234 back in your pocket that you can now put into your family, your, your two kids. The relief that that can give you, the stress that that can take off of you. When people say they don't understand and they, they feel like this is such a bad deal for people, no, no. Like, it's being able to help people like this in this example. Who, yes, she's making good money. She's a nurse. She's making 77000 a year. That's a good income. Um, you know, but she's married, two kids, right? Husband, I don't know what the husband's doing. They didn't say in here, right? But... You know, now she's going to be able to have 234 more dollars that she can put somewhere else. That is what, that is what this frees up. That is what this relief is doing for people. That, that's what it's doing. It's giving that relief. Um, you know, if, if you've never had student, if you didn't have student loans, if you could ever think of a place where you were, you know, you were at a time where, gosh, I don't know, am I going to be able to feed my kids or pay my electric bill? If, if you've ever been at that place and somebody, what if somebody came along and said, Hey, guess what? I can, I can, you know, take that, that electric bill. And I can, I can, you know, help you out. I can give you a little bit off of that every month. How much would that, free, I mean, how, how would that have felt? To have that relief, that breathing room there. That, that, that's, that is what this is going to do for people. Um, Okay. Uh, it, it goes on to talk about some other things too. So, um, again, it's all linked in the thing for you to see. Uh, how long have I been talking? Oh, we're almost to two hours. Woo, y'all. Um, all right. Uh, I can't remember what this one is. Let's pull this one up real quick. Oh, yeah. So, just so you know, right, uh, for people like myself, let, let's, let's, let's think about this, right? So remember I, t I told you earlier, I told you my story and the, the fact that, right, I refinanced my student loans in 2017. Uh, I took them out of Fed loans, so they were no longer owned by the Department of Education. I took them out and refinanced them with a private borrower. If I was still paying on my loans at this moment, I would not be eligible for this for this, I would not be eligible because I, my, my debt to the government was paid. 
my debt was now with SoFi. So if somebody has refinanced their loans outside, away from the government because they were looking, like myself, looking to get a cheaper interest rate, my interest rate went down like 2.5%. This is why I moved it away. Because I was like, I'm going to pay for these loans. I'm going to pay less. Take, but take that interest rate down. <laughs> um, people that have done that knew going in, if this were to ever happen, if forgiveness was ever given for some of their loans, it would not be eligible. So, you you do have people out there that are that are probably like, okay, well, you know what? I mean, if I if I was sitting here, if I had not paid my, my loans off, um, you know, almost two years ago, I, I would probably be sitting here going, man, I mean, I'm happy for all these other people, but dang it, I still gotta pay mine. <laughs> and I would gladly do it, because I agreed to pay it. <laughs> That's what, again, people do not understand. We took the loan out. We knew we had to pay it back. We have no problem paying it back. But when the system is as messed up as it is, getting it put back to a place, getting it, getting almost this kind of little reset there, for, for the people that are being affected by it now and, and, and making it better for the people in the future, that's what has to happen. I am not mad about it. I would never be mad about it. Because it, it's helpful for everybody in the end of the, in the end, in the end. Uh, let's see. Do I want to keep going? I guess I, there's a couple of things I do want to talk about. Um, okay. I'm going to stop sharing again. Let's see. Um, there was an article. I'm going to link it down in the description. It's an NPR article that talks about, like, it's three of the arguments of this heated debate, um, about whether, right, if we're, if we're doing by forgiving these student loans, is it going to, uh, raise living, raising living standards or adding fuel to inflation? Um, you know, this is kind of saying something I've been saying the whole time, right? People whose payments are cut or eliminated should have more money to spend elsewhere, right? To buy a new car, to put down a down payment on a house or more money, more money to put aside for their college saving, their kids savings plan. Um, So that debt forgiveness has the potential to raise the living standard for lots of people. Um, People, you know, but critics are saying like, additional spending power would just put more um, gasoline um, on that uh, inflationary fire of the, in an economy where businesses are already struggling to keep up with demand. Um, But, you know, it goes on to, to kind of say here that debt forgiveness is not like the $1,200 relief checks that the government sent out um, during the pandemic. Um, which experts said added to the in, uh, the inflationary pressure. Um, borrowers don't suddenly get twenty thousand dollars deposited in their bank account. Um, instead, they're like they're relieved of making the loan payments for over many years. Um, so it's not like this instant influx of cash um, necessarily. It's not like here's twenty thousand dollars, go spend it. It's Hey, we're going to take this off of your loans or this $10,000 off of your loans. And now, or your loan payments are going to be cut in half. You, you know, now it's, you, now you have a little bit more 
to you know to put towards other things. Um, uh, because the relief is dribbled out slowly. Um, the uh, it says Biden's move um, shouldn't move the needle on inflation very much. I'm gonna be honest. Uh, sometimes I they sometimes I don't know that they know what they're talking about. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. It's all like a huh, maybe. <laughs> In my that's my opinion. I don't know enough about those kind of numbers to to be like yes and no. I don't know. Um. Okay, let's see. Um, says um. Okay, so it says the White House also notes that borrowers who still have outstanding student debt will have to start making those payments again next year, um, as those payments have been on hold throughout the pandemic and restarting them is going to take money out of borrower's pocket, right? Offsetting some of that additional spending power that comes with loan forgiveness. So that happens, right? So they haven't been paying those loans. Um, and so, you know, maybe they've been, maybe they've been in a place where, Hey, they kept their job the whole time, or maybe they even got a better job. And now, um, they haven't been having to pay that payment. And so now, okay, I got to start paying that payment again. It's, um, so for some people, it will put more money in the economy and for some people it takes them out, uh, because they're having to pay, pay it, pay it back. So it's, it's not that it will even, but there will be this. Mm, words here. Um, th- there will be that kind of like, you know, some going out, some coming in type of type of thing. Um, it says, let's see, what is this next one? Um, is it really, is it helping lower income Americans or a sop to the rich? Um, and, and this is the, the, this is the big point of contention about fairness, about fairness. Um, it says forgiving loans would uh, effectively transfer hundreds of billions of dollars in debt from individuals and families to the federal government, and ultimately the taxpayers. Some believe the transfer effectively penalizes people who scrimped and saved to pay for college, as well as a majority of Americans who did not go to college. And this might not, uh, this might not mind, oh, they might not mind subsidizing a newly minted social worker making 25000 a year, but they, but might bristle at underwriting debt relief for a business school graduate who would go on to Wall Street and earn six figures. So the White House estimate estimates that 90% of debt relief would go to people making under 75000 a year, right? That is part of the reason there's that, that cap. Right. So that it is going, that relief is going to the people who need the relief, who need the relief. Uh, low income borrowers who qualified for Pell Grants, right, are now eligible for twice as much debt forgiveness as other borrowers. Um, if individuals are making as much as 125000 and couples making up to 250000 um, they are eligible for some debt forgiveness, but over it, they're not, you know? They're, they're not. Um, do, 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 do. All right. Helping those in need or making college tuition worse is the other argument that they talk about in this article. Um, it says that loan forgiveness, uh, somebody, or uh, Godwin complains that the loan forgiveness doesn't address the larger problem of uh, soaring tuition costs. In fact, he suggests that it might make the problem worse, like a Band-Aid that masks a more serious infection underneath. 
Uh, it says, for years, the cost of college education has risen much faster than inflation, which is one reason student debt has exploded. Uh, by forgiving some of that debt, the government will provide relief to current and former students. Um, it says that the government may uh, might encourage future students to take on more debt while doing little to instill discipline at schools. So people are going to assume there's a likelihood that debt is canceled again and again. And if you assume there's a likelihood it's canceled, you're going to be more likely to take on more debt up front. That's going to give college more pricing power to raise tuition without pressure. Like it's so it's saying that like the cycle um, is going to do the opposite thing, right? Like it's, oh, because you think it may happen again and again, then you're just going to keep spending more and more and colleges are raising more and more. Like I think this is my take on it. The fact that it is so prevalent that it is, um, like that we're having the conversation because this is conversations that have been happening, but they have been happening in the mainstream. Like people haven't been listening to the conversations. And I think now students going into school are going in with a different mindset. They're going in with the, the fact of like, okay, hey, I know that I don't want to take out loans. So I'm going to work and I'm going to pay for my classes as I go. Or I'm going to work on getting a scholarship or I'm going to go to a trade school. Um, I am very proud of my, of, of one of my siblings, um, who did not go to college. He went to college for one day. <laughs> he, he went to college for one day. I love you. Um, I love you, brother. You're listening. <laughs> um, and I applaud him for, for going and thinking like, Hey, maybe this is for me. And he went and he was like, this is not for me. He took his books back. He got his tuition. Like he, he, you know, ended up not being out anything. He learned a little bit from that. He was like, okay, wow. Like I was really stepping into something that I was not prepared for. So he went, he went to work and, you know, he worked in a plant, he worked in construction. Um, and then he, he, you know, he finally, one day he had done welding in high school and so one day he was like, you know what? Um, I'm going to drive over to the welders union and I'm going to see about joining. And he is within a year, it's less than a year. Um, he will have his journeyman. He'll be a welder. I don't know what it really means, but a journeyman. He'll have done it for three years welding. And so, and then he can go and do like different jobs and, and stuff, but he's been learning and studying and taking their, the classes that he has to go to and the tests he has to take. And, you know, I think with the focus and in the, in the spotlight on how the system works, that, that some things, and I don't think it would be perfect ever. Uh, there, there's no such thing as perfect, uh, in, in this. Um, I think that there will be things that happen to make schools hopefully bring their costs down to where it is more affordable for people. And then the being smarter about student loans and, and how to take them out and how to pay them back or going to school slower and paying for classes as you go or reaching out for scholarships, finding roles that where the companies will give you tuition assistance. 
Um, that's a huge thing that I think sometimes, um, people going into colleges do not think about like going into college is where you get a job might help pay for your college. Um, you know, Bucky stars coffee shop didn't, um, but Starbucks does. Uh, Starbucks has a really good tuition assistance program. Um, Verizon has an assistance tuition program. Um, Apple has a tuition assistance program. Uh, you know, I'm, I don't know. I mean, I'm, there's probably a link or something that, that says all the places that have tuition assistance programs. Amazon has a tuition assistance program. Um, look for those kind of things. But I think that that's, again, where the conversation is. Why, while this conversation is happening, I think it's opening up people to understand that there are these other options, that it doesn't have to look this particular way anymore. You can do school differently. You can get an education differently. Um, and I think that's where, like, it, it's going to help regulate a little bit. In, in just having people be more educated about the options that are there. If anything I just said made sense, I hope. I mean, we're like, we're over two hours in. So, you know, good luck to you. Hope, hope you're enjoying it. <laughs> this wine is quite tasty. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's only my, I'm not even, I, it's two glasses. That's where I'm at. Not even done with my second glass. Okay. Here we go. Um, what do we want to talk about now? Now, okay. Now we're gonna get, we're gonna get a little feisty. Um, because these are the things the other night. So if you've stayed this long, congratulations. Hold, hold on. Congratulations. You've made it. You've made it to the point. Where Heather is going to share some of the things that really made her mad. And I may get on a soapbox. And I apologize for any language that may come out of my mouth during this time. Uh, <laughs> Alright. There is... Uh, I'm not going to share these on the screen... I will read them to you. So those of you who are watching me um, or those of you who are listening, you get a similar experience here. Uh, there's an article and I'll link it down here. It was uh, 30 of the best reactions from the internet to Biden canceling student loan debt. There's some funny ones in here. And then I'm going to share a couple uh, that, that I, that I also found online that um, were not funny at all. All right. Let me see. Let's see. Find. Ah, I like. Okay, so this this is the first one I want to share. It says, I swear the universe is can be divided into two kinds of people. Number one, I had to go through it, so you should too. And number two, I had to go through it, so I'll work to make sure you don't. Absolutely. Amen to that. I'm not saying that people don't need to learn their lessons, that people don't need to learn from their own mistakes. But by God, if I can make something easier for the person after me, I'm going to do it. I mean, I, I have some stuff that I've, that I've, like, 
tasks that I've had to do that then like I, I have to pass off to somebody else. And I don't, I will not pass that off until I make it a better process. I'm not going to pass that pile of poo that I've been working with. If I know that there's an easier way to do it, I'm going to give you the easier way. Why would I ever make you go through that crap if I can make it easier for you? And somebody, and, and I guarantee you, there are people out there that would be like, people don't need to have it easy. They just need to, you know, they need to suck it up and be an internet. Shut up. Damn it. You know, <laughs> just, if you, I'm not saying that people should not work hard, that people should not learn how to do things, that people should not get experience doing things, that everything should be handed to them. That's not what this means. It simply means that just because you had to walk uphill to school both ways in four feet of snow, it does not mean that the next generation needs to as well when they've invented snow machines or plows or cars. Or you've moved to Florida where it doesn't snow. I mean, give me a break. Sorry, I got feisty early on that one. Okay, here we go. Um, what's the next one I want to share? Oh, yeah, this one I liked too. Uh, I say I like. I thought was very, like, just very oh, like. This, yes, this is exactly what I, I've seen online. Uh, the people that said we should be giving money to we should be giving money to Americans and not Ukraine are now upset that we're giving money to Americans. Yes. You don't want you're, you're like don't give money outside the U.S. Don't give it to those people. Uh, you need to keep the money here in, in the U.S. Oh, you want to give it to people in the U.S.? No. No, let's not. That's terrible. Terrible. Like, that's so such a hypocrite. Ugh. Such a hypocrite. Okay. Let's see. Um. Do, do, do. I could easily get this real political. I'm not going to get this real political. I'm not that feisty. Um. Okay, I am going to say this one because this one, this one made me laugh. <laughs> so, Representative Jim Jordan. I do not know what state he's from. I should probably be saying here, but. Uh. No, it doesn't. Okay, so anyways. Representative Jim Jordan, uh, wherever he's from. Uh, he tweeted that day. On August 22nd, on August 24th, he said, what about Americans who already paid off their student loans? And uh, Nina Turner responded, you should introduce a bill to repay them if you're legitimately concerned. Like, that was a statement. Like, he put out a statement that was just like, but what about these people? Well, if you're concerned about those people, guess what? You're a representative in the government. You have the ability to pull, to, to put a bill together and propose it. Do it. If you're legitimately concerned, do it. 
but he's not. It's it's a it's supposed to evoke like just you know, it's supposed to to rally those people that feel, you know, like wronged because they don't get it too. <sighs> it's gross. All right. Um this one, I like it. Uh the guy says, "Me paid for college myself, maxed out student loans, worked the entire time, paid my loans back in full, and today have excellent credit." Also me. Give as much hashtag student loan forgiveness as possible right now to as many as we can. This is a no brainer. <laughs> exactly. It's a no brainer because if you've been in it, if you've been through the stress that is college, that is having to pay back the loan, that's looking at the bill that keeps getting bigger, even though you're paying it. When you look at your budget and go, what happens if my car breaks down? I can't afford to get a new one. <laughs> like that stress. You don't forget it. So if there's, you never want somebody to go through that ever. Any relief is better. Um, okay, this one. This person put car manufacturers got a bailout. Big banks got a bailout. Wealthy tr individuals and corporations got massive tax breaks. Uh, Seven million in PPP loans were distributed to small businesses and forgiven. But apparently, student loan forgiveness is a bridge too far. Yeah. Yeah. Think about that. Again, back to the one that said the people that those of you who were mad that we were giving money to Ukraine and you wanted to keep it in America and now we're giving it to America, giving money to Americans. Now you're pissed off about that. Mm -mm. You need to figure that shit out in your head. That ain't right. Um, uh, this, this person put, I paid off all of my student loans earlier this year. It took me 15 years, but I did it. So why am I in favor of student loan forgiveness? Number one, more money in the local economy if $200 isn't going into the loans. Two, upward mobility uh, potential improves. Three, I like other people. Yeah, I like other people. I want other people to succeed. I want other people to have good lives and be able to buy houses and have children and do the things that they want to do. Absolutely. Um... This one. <laughs> I had $40,000 plus in college loans and busted my ass to pay them off in a year. I'm not complaining about other people getting student loan forgiveness because I'm not a self-centered bozo. <laughs> yes. And dude, pay I'm not going to speculate how he did that. How he paid off $40,000 in a year. Maybe he lived with his parents. Maybe he had a, a a partner that could pay all their bills and everything he made went into. I don't know. He had a plan. He paid them off in a year. That's congratulations. That's awesome. Kudos to that guy. Um. Okay, let me see if there's any more I want to read from here. Oh, this one. I thought this, this one really, this one warmed my heart. 
Uh, this person said, thank you, President Biden. You just helped my 40-year-old daughter who has been paying her student loans for 18 years. Now she only needs to work one job. Again, I don't know the context. I don't know what her daughter does. I don't know what her daughter... I don't know if her daughter has children. Like, I don't know any of that mess. Right? But the fact that... Um, that she's like, guess what? Because of this, my daughter can work one job. Thank you. Yes! Okay. Um, let's see. I'm scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Do, 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 do. Um. Let's see. Dun, 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 dun. All right. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just, there's lots on here. Um. <laughs> oh, this is a good one. Yeah. Uh, $30,000 in debt. 19000 earned my first year teaching. I went to sleep hungry to pay off student loans. Uh, I only ate once a day at the school cafeteria to save money. I pay off my student loans. I am glad for student loan forgiveness so nobody else has to struggle like I struggled. That's the thing. That's the thing. We've been through it. We don't want you to have to go through it too. Huh. <sighs> Okay. Dun, 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 dun. Okay. Um, that's okay. That's okay. That's all that's on that article. So I'm going to read a couple uh, of other ones that, that I saw, uh, floating around on the interwebs that, um, just really got me. Uh, so, so there's one, it's like this, this, this like wrestling photo. And it's like a wrestler, like flying down, like gonna land on somebody. Uh, and so the person um, that's that's flying down, right? It's it's college student loan debt. And the person that's on the ground, he's about to smash, is taxpayers who never went to college. Um. So let me tell you this, you taxpayers that went to college, didn't go to college, had student debt, didn't have student debt. Guess what? Just because you have college student loan debt forgiven does not mean you're not a taxpayer anymore. We're all taxpayers here, folks. I'm paying taxes for something that benefits you that may not benefit me. That's how this works. Okay? That's how it works. You pay taxes goes to different things every so on my property taxes I give taxes to the local schools I pay taxes that go to my local schools I don't have children could I complain about the fact that I'm giving my hard-earned tax money to a place that I will never ever have any benefit from because I don't send I don't have children to send to school there 
No, because I know that the people that are going to that school, the children that are going to that school, the the middle school, the high schoolers that are going to gonna graduate and move in and, and do productive things in this world hopefully I want to pay money into that school so that they're getting a good education so that they're becoming good humans so that they're able to graduate and they're able to go and and do things like maybe go to college maybe pick up a trade maybe go into a family business maybe start their own business I don't know but I'm not complaining that I have to pay taxes to schools when I don't have a child that's exactly what you're doing Shut up. Ah. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for still being here. Okay. The next one. <sighs> oh, trying not to get too fast. Um, the next one I saw said, perhaps they should look at forgiving medical debt for cancer patients instead of student loans. Education is a choice. Cancer is not. Okay. <sighs> Cancer is not a choice. And yes, um, medical debt is a whole other issue. That is a whole other ball of stuff out there that I, man. Not a conversation we're going to have today. But education is a choice. It is. But let me tell you, sometimes it's not it's not provided or, or it's not provided is not the word. Sometimes it's not told that it's a choice for you. Sometimes it's the, the, the pressure that, that you can put on, um, a high school student of constantly saying, well, where are you going to college? What do you want to be when you grow up? What are you going to major in? Where are you going to college? What do you want to be? Let's take you to a college fair. Like they take you to college, excuse me, college fairs, you know, in your junior and senior year of high school, you know, where you get to go visit all the little little things, the career and college fair. Um, so education is a choice, yes, but for some individuals, it is so ingrained into how they're raised that they don't feel like it's a choice. It doesn't feel like you 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 can't say no. Um, in in my life, I will be very honest, I wanted to I wanted to stop going to graduate school um, about two years in maybe about a year year and a half in um, I wanted to take some time off of school because I was tired of going to school <laughs> going to school since I was five <laughs> I was ready for a break and because of my student loans because my significant other at the time is not my current significant other not my current husband um, said, I don't want to pay your student loans. So you got to stay in school so they can stay deferred. So somebody tell me that it's, that it's a choice. Cause sometimes you're in, you're in situations where it's not. 
or it's doesn't appear to be because the expectation of you is has been set for so long that you will go to college, that you will get a degree. That's the expectation set for you. Um, maybe one day we'll talk about medical debt, but not today. Because uh, that is a whole nother ball of worms and medical debt is a whole mess of like, yeah, there's lots of things that need to change in the healthcare system for sure. Um, okay. Hmm. I want to say this last one. <laughs> so the, the last one I saw said, people cry, my body, my choice. Well, I say your student loans, your payment. Again, we're comparing two things that are really not even close to being the same. Um, and I've said it all throughout this podcast. Yes, my student loans, my payments. My student loans, I took them out. I agreed to pay them back. Everybody that took our student loan agreed to pay them back. And we, uh, and we understand that 100%. It was never, I mean, I'm not saying that there weren't people that said, hey, I'm going to go take out these loans and just do whatever with the money and I'll just default on them. Ain't no big deal. Don't care. I'm not saying that there aren't people like that. But a majority of the people that take out student loans do so because they're trying to further their education in order to make a higher wage that will allow them to pay back those loans and allow them to have a life that gives the opportunity to make more money for them to be able to provide a better life for themselves, their spouses, their significant other, their children, their brothers, their sisters, maybe their parents. Like that is why that is why no I don't see anybody I, before this or, or even I mean, definitely not since after I'm not seeing people post on the internet saying, yeah, I took out those student loans. They paying those bitches back. What? No, no. Dang it. Y'all like, oh, it frustrates me so much for people to just be like, well, um, they just don't want to pay them back. no, we're paying them back. We've paid them back. We've never stopped. Except when the government stops them. <laughs> Over the pandemic, people weren't paying them back. But. They, that, like, that's what I don't understand. Why can you, why can these individuals not see it from that perspective? I get it. I, I get the side of it that you're like, well, my taxes may go up. I may have to do this. I understood. Is it a, a fix to the, to the whole problem? No, it's not a fix to the whole problem. There are still things that have to be done. There are still changes that have to be made. Absolutely. I agree. But it's not a fix that can happen immediately. Things have to be done. Steps have to be taken. Eyes have to be open. Minds have to be open to the things that need to be done to change the system, to change the way that, that things are done. This is part of that. 
So don't go saying any of this bullshit on the internet about, you know, well, you know, it, it's, it's going to crush us or it's going to, you know, we don't want to give money to those people. Y'all, look around. Look around at the people in your life. Who do you know that has student loan debt or has had it in the past? Do you know the burden that it was? Do you know the sacrifices? Do you know the things that they went through? Because if you're over here shouting your loans, your payments, you're over here doing shit like that, then you're not listening. You're not looking. You're not understanding why it's needed. And by the way, just so you know, this money is coming. It's going against the deficit of the country. There are other programs that are put in place that have lessened the deficit. So when this goes towards the deficit, right? It makes the deficit bigger. There are other programs that are making the deficit less. And so it's helping to offset, like it, it, it brings it almost back to like an even kind of thing as far as the deficit is concerned. So shut up. Just shut up. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just... Student loans is something I'm extremely passionate about. And I wish that that everybody understood. Understood. And, and I said it earlier when I, when I was going through kind of my story. Like, I know how privileged I was to be able to pay my student loans off early. The advantages that I had of the work that I did, of the companies that I work for. I understand that 100% and I am incredibly grateful. And that is why I want everybody that needs that assistance to be able to get it. Because it's important. It's important to get people back on a level, help people level themselves up. I I don't know. Maybe I pissed some people off with this episode and, and that's... It is what it is. Um, I probably should have said it at the beginning. <laughs> Maybe I'll record something and put it back at the beginning um, uh, when I do the edit on this. But um, I obviously, I am not, uh, I don't have any financial, uh, like, I'm not a financial person. I am not a counselor. I am not a certified coach. I am not a, a, a certified to talk about any of this. All of this is my personal opinion and has nothing to do with my employer or my past employers um, uh, of any nature. This is this is just Heather being Heather, um, you know, drinking wine and, and talking about crazy people on the internet. Um, yeah. So, know all that mess. Um, my, these are my views and my views only. Um, I think that's it. I think that, I think it's all. Um, I think it's all. Okay. Um, are we happy? I'm done. I thought so. I thought I thought we'd be happy. I'm done. Yeah, I know. I know. 
because uh, it's 10.30 and I still have to uh, officially edit this podcast so I can put it up in the morning. Uh, yeah, hush, hush, hush. Um, thanks so much for being here today. I really appreciate you. Uh, if you've hung out the whole entire time, bless you. Bless you so much uh, for, for staying with me. Um, feel free to, to comment on the video. Uh, if you're, if you're gonna, like, hate on me or something, like, yeah, just don't. Just don't. I, I, just don't. <laughs> I guess you can dislike the video or whatever, that's fine. Uh, but, you know, if you're gonna put some hate and some bullshit in the chat, uh, in the comment section, if you're on YouTube, um, yeah, I'll just delete it. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest about it. I don't, I'm not gonna put up with it. Um, so... <laughs> But, uh, you know, I-, I hope that this was maybe informative, maybe funny, m- insightful, um, whatever the case may be. I, I hope that you uh, enjoyed your time with me today. I sure, uh, I had a good time. Uh, I'm going to go finish my glass of wine, edit up this video so it officially comes out to you um, on the first Thursday of September. Um, As always, as I tell you at the end of every episode, I want you to know that you are loved and you are worthy and there are great things ahead for you in this life if you trust and believe in the Lord. Y'all have a great week and we'll see you back next week. Bye!